Welcome to Exhale Bible Discovery. Each week, we'll take a deep dive into the Bible, going line by line and chapter by chapter to discover the truths that God has for us in His Word. Hello, everyone. It is Dr. Paula McDonald, and we are having another wonderful lesson from John chapter 12. Well, last week, we learned of Jesus's most climactic miracle with the story of Lazarus. And this week, we follow Jesus into his final week before his crucifixion. It's an amazing lesson. You can tell I just, I love the book of John, and I've been so blessed by this book over the years. We've got it into Jesus Anointed, the first division, verses 12, 1 through 11. Then we have Jesus's arrival, verses 12 through 19. Then the third part, Jesus's announcement, verses 20 through 36. And then finally, Jesus's antagonists, and that's verses 37 through 50. So a very long chapter, but full of information. So let's jump right in. In this chapter, Jesus is still in Bethany, and we find him being honored with a dinner at the home of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And there's three important things that happen in these first 10 verses. First of all, Mary anoints Jesus. Secondly, Judas condemns Mary for this act. And then thirdly, Jesus defends Mary. So let's dissect the anointing by Mary. We learn that she brings a pint of pure nard and pours it on Jesus's feet and then wipes it with her hair. We know from scripture that nard was an expensive perfume, very, very expensive. And it comes from a plant that grows only in the mountains of India and Nepal. And it is a very rare plant that would have been imported, thus making it super expensive. So just collecting the plant, bringing it down the mountains, and then putting it through a complicated distillation procedure to collect the oil helped to make this product even more precious. And it's a perennial herb, and the oil comes from the woody rhizomes, which That's the roots of the plants that have spikes on them. And its leaves are divided into three heart-shaped leaves. I found that really interesting. And the word nard in Hebrew means light. So how appropriate this was the oil Mary used to anoint the light of the world. And spikenard was used by the Egyptians in the embalming process for mummification. And the Jewish religion also used this oil as an incense at the altar of the temple. So the monetary value of the amount of nard that Mary used in those days would be equivalent of more than $35,000 today. So this gift was indeed extremely valuable, both monetarily and spiritually. If you followed me for a while, you know I'm a science nerd. 
And so the science of this plant is the chemical makeup of an oil called a sesquespertine. And these are larger, heavier molecules that actually have properties that calm the body and reduce inflammation. So these molecules are able to pass through our blood-brain barrier, thus allowing free radicals, which are molecules that can deliver oxygen to our cells, and it allowed them to interact with the pineal gland and the limbic region of the brain. And this is important because the pineal gland, let's talk about that for a minute. The word pineal from the Old Testament means face of God. And it's an endocrine gland found in vertebrates only. And it is the source of melatonin, which is a hormone derived from tryptophan that plays a central role in the regulation of the circadian rhythm. That's our 24-hour cycle of biological activities associated with natural periods of light and dark. Well, French philosopher René Descartes says that the pineal gland is the seat of the soul, and many refer to this as our third eye because it is where we connect spiritually with God. It's the quiet space within where we can touch God, and this gland is believed to be fully activated when we pray and meditate, and there is much controversy over this. However, I believe because God created us to know and see Him, it would make sense that He created this special gland in our brains, right in the middle of our brains, in which to connect with Him in this secret place. Psalm 91 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So many believe this secret has been known and kept from the masses, from you and I. And imagine the power and knowledge of the proper connection with God when we know about it, that it would have on people. And sadly, there are many who want us to remain as sheep, so we will follow any master other than God. Back to this gland when it's not activated on a regular basis. Calcification is common. Well, things that attribute to calcification of the pineal gland are unhealthy foods, and fluoride is also known to contribute. Most people over the age of 18 now have a calcified pineal gland, and it's where a hard shell forms around the gland, and our access to the realms beyond this reality are effectively shut off for many. When we care for our temple, you guys, by feeding it properly, keeping it free from toxins, spending time with God and meditating on His Word, this beautiful pineal gland is reactivated and strengthened. And you guys, do you realize what this is saying? That you have within yourself an incredible tiny gland that allows you to connect to God in a powerful way. And the more you connect to Him, the more enlightened you become. Matthew 6.22 says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Another intriguing fact is phosphorus is found in the pineal gland. Phosphorus in Greek means light bearer. How about that? 
The other thing that's interesting to know is that the pineal gland is the only other thing in the body that detects light. So it's like our eyes, and so that's why it is called the third eye, but it does detect light. So, so interesting. Um, Thank you for letting me take you down this rabbit trail. I know I find these little nuggets of knowledge so important, and um, there's no mistakes in nature and in our bodies and how God created us. The more I learn as a scientist, the more it points back to God. Okay, so back to Mary's generous act of anointing Jesus. From a spiritual aspect, this oil is known for its calming effect on the body, and it inspires inner peace and balance. When she anoints Jesus, this was the last oil received by him before his crucifixion. And spikenard is mentioned seven times in scripture. How interesting is that? The number seven again. Mary understood what Jesus had been telling them, that he was about to die. And therefore, this act is so very special. She unselfishly lavished, and that word in French means to wash. She lavished Jesus. She washed him with this precious oil, and the room is filled with its fragrance. When we lavish our affection on Christ, we too are filled with the fragrance of him through every part of our body. And after this beautiful act of devotion and love, Judas speaks up and shows his true inner character. His devotion is clearly to the money issue, which is why he tried to discredit Mary by acting like he's concerned for the poor. And so Jesus comes to her defense immediately by letting them know that Mary gets it. And he's telling them she is honoring him while he is still alive. And how many of us are waiting to honor someone after they have died? Honor the living now is the message in this part. So don't wait. Honor those who are still living in your life. Second division, Jesus's arrival, verses 12 through 19. So the next day after the oil incidents, we find the crowd was there for the festival and they hear that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem and they take palm branches and they went out to meet him. So I wanted to look into what is the significance of the palm branches. Well, they were a symbol of power and victory over enemies. In Roman athletic competitions, the winners were awarded palm branches as a symbol of strength. Though the palm branches were part of the common practice for the Feast of Tabernacles, it was not a common practice to have palm branches at the time Jesus came rolling in at his triumphal entry. The people were waving the palm branches towards Jesus because of their connection to the regulations for the Feast of Tabernacles celebration. And once they started waving them towards Jesus, it became clear they wanted him to be their next leader. The people were trying to make Jesus the warrior king. Jesus was arriving as a king of peace, not taking up battle against Rome, but instead a war against the wages of sin and death. And if you read the book of Revelation, you'll see when he comes back, he's changed his roles into the battle of warrior. Leaves also point to the importance of light. As photosynthetic structures, leaves are what capture the light and transform it into food. And the people were in essence greeting the light of the world who will then transform us into new creatures. 
that I find really cool. And the people shouted Hosanna. The word Christians use today is the Greeks' creation. They used Greek letters to pronounce the Hebrew phrase hasavaya na, meaning save, please. Some sources also refer, reference this phrase as yasha, deliver or save, plus ana or na, to beg or to beseech. But the result is, please, I beg you to save us. So as stated earlier, the people were looking for their earthly king. And so why did he ride in on a donkey? Well, the scripture tells us Jesus found a donkey. And this shows intention. That means he was looking for a donkey. And the next verse refers to the prophecy found in Zechariah 9.9. Jesus knew the importance of prophecy and understood the significance. An earthly king would have come in on a large, powerful horse, exclaiming his position and his strength. And Jesus, his choice clearly pointed to a humble entrance as he came in. Riding a lowly animal was a symbol of peace. And another aspect is that donkeys take the burden of others as they carry their load. And Jesus came to take the burden of the load of sin for the whole world, you guys. And again, in Revelation, he comes in with horses. So big difference there. The third division is Jesus's announcement in verses 20 through 36. So the mentions of Greeks being with those at the festival may appear to be odd, but the Passover is a Jewish festival. So the fact that the Greeks were there speaks to the curiosity these people had regarding Jesus. No doubt they were hearing about him and they too wanted to see him. And we are reminded here that Jesus did not just come for the Jewish people, but for all people. And he begins a dissertation that has much significance for us as believers. First, he announces that now is the time for him to be glorified. And remember, prior in John, Jesus told us that it was not his time. But the shift here, this is big news. Next, Jesus teaches the parable of the kernel of wheat. And here is what he states. If a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. And if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. Anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves him must follow him. Where I am, so are his servants. His father will honor the one who serves him. So when Jesus refers to a kernel of wheat falling to the ground and dying, he is telling us that dead seeds are useless. Death does not yield life. And a seed that yields life must be sown into the ground. It must receive nutrients, water, and sunlight in order to produce a crop. Before Jesus died, he sowed into us with his love, his wisdom, his words and promises. And he had to die in order to produce a crop of believers through his life. The Christian faith has endured over all of these centuries. It has not died, even though many have tried. From one man's death, multitudes of believers have been grown. His death was the catalyst 
for the entire Christian faith. Jesus then completes this statement with the lesson of loving our lives here on earth more than in obedience and devotion to God. When we get comfortable here on this earth, it is easy to lose sight of the Almighty. Think about it. Are you more apt to reach out to God when things are going great or when your life is in shambles? He desires for you to reach out to Him in the good times and in the bad. And okay, you guys have to forgive me, but again, I have to go into the science of the kernel of wheat because I found this fascinating. But a kernel, it's actually a berry and the seed, which is actually a fruit. It is the part that humans and animals eat that contains the nutrients. And a kernel is made up of three parts. The bran, which is the outer covering that protects the seed. The germ, which contains the nutrients and the vitamins and provides for future growth. And then there's an endosperm, which provides energy and the carbohydrates and proteins needed for life. The trinity of the three parts can be seen in the example of the wheat kernel. God the protector, the outer shell. Jesus as the main source of light, which is the germ. And the Holy Spirit, the endosperm, as the provider for our inner selves. So cool. Thank you for letting me be sciencey again. <laughs> so next, in verses 27 and 28, we see a glimpse of humanity in Jesus. For a moment, Jesus is grappling with his impending death. He declares that his soul is troubled and cries out to God to save him from this hour. And I love that we are given this verse so that we can relate to Jesus struggling in his human form with the horrific reality of his upcoming death. I can't even imagine what he was going through. And I believe this verse allows us to love him all the more. His soul was in turmoil, yet in the next breath he states, No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. With this follow-up statement, Jesus now accepts his role willingly. No one made him do this, not even the Father. This alone was Jesus' decision, just as accepting Christ is our each individual decisions. Not one person on this earth can make us follow Christ. We, too, must be willing to give ourselves to him completely. The voice from heaven is then heard as the crowd heard it as well. The Father says, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The it refers to God's glory. He is saying that his name has been glorified, as Jesus asked in the verse above, and that he would also glorify his name through the obedience of Jesus on the cross. And Jesus tells the people the voice heard was for their benefit. Once again, like the dove descending upon Jesus at his baptism to show that God was with him, now God's voice is telling the people to listen to him. He is the chosen one. He is confirming that Jesus came from God. And now Jesus announces that his time was here, that he would be lifted up, and would draw people to himself. And the crowd, they begin to ask in confusion, why would he say this? And Jesus follows up with, He is the light 
would you be with them just a little while longer? Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of the light. Y'all, this is so clear. Jesus is the light and his time on earth was coming to a close. So stay busy for the kingdom and don't waste time. If you fail to walk with Christ, the enemy is who is going to be ruling your life. And the enemy is the darkness and leads to death. Cling to Christ and be a part of his kingdom. Next, Jesus leaves them and goes into hiding. And this will be his time to spend alone with God before his trial and crucifixion. So this final part of this chapter, Jesus's antagonists, those working against him, 37 through 50. This last part of chapter 12 looks at the antagonism of those who have seen Jesus perform his miracles, yet still did not believe who he was. Verses 39 through 41 tells us that it was to fulfill the prophecy in Isaiah 53.1 and Isaiah 6.10. Both of these address the fact that although many would see what Jesus would do, they would still choose to deny him. What a sober warning to us today. When we continue to choose to deny Christ, what he did for each of us, at some point, God can blind their eyes and harden their hearts. And therefore, those staunch disbelievers are blind to the truth and they refuse to come to him. And we get a glimpse in verse 42 that many, including leaders, did believe in Christ. Yet their fear of the Pharisees kept them from openly acknowledging their faith. They feared being thrown out of the synagogue as they loved human praise more than they loved God's praise. Yikes. This is a message for each of us personally. Do we keep Jesus under wraps in order to not upset others who have different beliefs than we do? Wow, a sobering thought. And Jesus' final words relate to his final message of ultimate belief in both himself and his Father. Belief in Jesus means belief in God. The reason Jesus came into the world was to bring the light of God, so no one who believes needs to remain under the darkness of the enemy. You're freed from that. Jesus provides us a way out of the grasp of Satan. And lastly, Jesus ends with a very stern message of obedience. If anyone hears his words but does not keep them, he is not the judge. He came to save. There is a judge for those who reject Jesus and his words. Jesus spoke what God commanded him to say, and God's commands lead to eternal life. There is a judge for those who reject Christ, pure and simple. You either believe and keep Jesus' word, or you choose not to. The ultimate consequence of death or eternal life lies within all important decision. And if you're listening to this today and you have not yet submitted your life to Christ, this is a great time to do it. it you don't need any pomp or circumstance. 
All you need to do is a willing heart. You cry out to God and you tell him, I am a fallen sinner, but I want to give my life to you, Father. I want to open my heart to you. I want to follow you. I believe in your son, Jesus Christ, that he is you. That I believe in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Father, for bringing me to this point in my life. Well, if you've prayed that prayer, you now are going to be walking in a new life and the light will fill you. Seek the light. Continue to open up your Bible. Continue to seek him and share him with others. Do not be a secret agent in Christ. Well, I'm going to leave you with some application questions today. Like Mary, number one, what precious gift can you bring Jesus today? And if you gave him your life, you gave him the most precious gift of all. But you can also give him your time, your obedience, and sharing him with others. Question two, as you think about the significance of the pineal gland, how does this change your thinking regarding spending time alone with God? And on that note, on my Live Today podcast, I have a whole episode on the pineal gland much deeper, much more information. Question three, Jesus came humbly in a state at birth and by a donkey before his death. Will you take a moment to bow before him and thank him for what he has done for you? Four, what kind of seed are you? Are you life-giving or are you in a dormant state? What might you need to do in order to help grow the kingdom? Five, are you truly keeping God's word? And how are you doing that? And six, as you have now walked through 12 chapters of John, what have you learned about your own faith? You guys, the book of John is so incredibly beautiful. And I thank you that you listen and study with me and that I have the privilege of coming with you to study alongside of you. Thank you, and God bless. Have a great week. Be sure to visit my website, drpaulamcdonald.com. Click on podcast and then exhale Bible discovery for self-study guides and resources to support you with each episode. 